Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we'll share weekly messages as well as other resources we hope helps you as you seek to grow and know Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can connect with us, visit bcwc.org. The passage for our meditation this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was a Levite from Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Well, good morning. Uh, If I haven't met you yet, my name is Evan. I'm the senior pastor here. And welcome, and welcome to those engaging with us online as well. Thank you for joining and worshiping with us. Stewardship in a time of change. This weekend, uh, we celebrated Veterans Day as we remember uh, veterans who served our country and our nation My dad was in the military for 24 years. He was in the army and had this kind of very regimented schedule. He's no longer in the army. You wouldn't think he was ever in the army when you meet him today, when you see the size of his beard. After years of having to have things one way, he began to embrace some change. In fact, just recently they moved here to Pennsylvania to be closer to us and mostly their grandkids, we're just kind of the bonus. And it was the first time, even though they had moved about every three years for the majority of their adult lives, it was the first time they had to move themselves. The army didn't move them. And it was change, and it was hard, and it was dramatic. We're in a time of change ourselves, aren't we? There's change all around us, change in our culture, and our personalities, and our lives, and our relationships. Even as a church, as we wrestle with and rejoice, but also grieve with our dear friend, the Wootens, and their news they shared this week, there's change all around us. Last week, we were reminded by the story of Zacchaeus in Luke's Gospel that even in what feels like instability, we can respond to the unchanging God by allowing ourselves to be transformed by the love of God. We're going to continue thinking about stewardship together in a time of change and how we think about our resources, what we've been given, everything around us, even when things around us might feel shaky or changing. Each fall, BCWC prepares their budget process, and we we think together as a community about our resources. 
You likely got a letter this week about that from our stewardship committee as we, as we plan for 2024. And I hope that as we think about stewardship together, that, that we discover through these messages that it's both a response to the change God brings in our lives when we encounter Christ, but stewardship also can be a catalyst for more spirit-led change. We saw it last week in an individual Zacchaeus, today we see it in this community. Now, if I were to ask you this morning, what do you think is the biggest miracle in our scriptures? What is the biggest miracle in the story of the Bible? I'd be curious what you'd say. Maybe you say Jesus resurrecting from the grave. That's probably number one. Maybe you'd say Jesus becoming human in the story of Christmas, God taking on flesh. Yeah, that's right up there. After that, we might wonder, what might be next? Blind people seeing, dead people coming back to life, water turning into wine at a party? What could it be? But I think one of the miracles that's maybe hardest for us to believe <laughs> is what we just read. We heard read in Acts 4, 32 and 33. The whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owed was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. What a miracle! <laughs> As the early church is beginning to navigate who they will be, thousands are being added to their community from all over the world. They have diverse backgrounds and stories and baggage. Maybe that sounds a little familiar. And, and Luke tells us in the book of Acts that they were of one heart and soul and they had all of their possessions in common. That sounds like a miracle to me. I'm grateful for Pastor Zach illustrating this uh, with our children today, thinking about sharing than the things we don't want to share. I've got three small kids. Any sharing is a miracle. But this community, because their lives have been totally rearranged by their encounter with Jesus, because things had changed for them and the Spirit had great power among them, it made them people who looked like miracles to their outside community, a people of radical hospitality. And we read this text this morning, and you might be thinking, yeah, right. <laughs> Could it be true? What does this mean for us? What does it mean to be united in heart and soul? The words that Luke is using here imply some interesting things. Heart, there's this implication of their passions, their love. Soul is a word that we translate from a word that's not really how we might think of soul in our culture as in a, a spirit, but, but rather it means the life breath, something that animates our bodies, our doing our very life force, they're united in heart and soul. These words are probably familiar to you from 
other places in Scripture. We've heard something like that before. When, when Jesus said in Luke 10, uh, 27, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. I think Luke wants us to notice something here. That yes, we are to love the Lord our God with all of these things. Heart and soul and strength and mind. But then when Luke writes about this community, he mentions how they are united with heart and soul. Just those two. Perhaps Luke wants us to see something here. That to be united together as the people of God, it means that we don't have to be similarly abled. We won't have all the same strengths. We'll have different capacities and gifts and limitations. We certainly won't think all the same things. Look around this room. You all disagree on all kinds of things, I promise you. The people of the early church, like us, they were incredibly diverse. We know challenges would bubble up as they wrestled with different opinions and ideas, and yet they were of one heart and one soul. So they were not one in opinions or wealth or politics or gender or race or culture. They were not uniform in their thinking, but they were united in love and motivation. And it is this motivation that led, leads them to this level of stewardship where they would even share personal property. I know. It's a miracle. That the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead also wrests from us the grip that says, that is mine. I earned it. Hands off. And from this community, they express this radical generosity. They are united around love of Christ, motivated by it, and they have this radical vision of community. And more and more are added. More and more want to know about this Jesus. More and more are changed by this Jesus. And isn't that compelling? We read this text and we may think, wow, I don't know how that could be possible, and yet don't we long for it to be so? Last week, uh, I had the, the privilege of being able to hear Shane Claiborne speak. Uh, Claiborne is a writer and a pastor and an advocate, and, and he and his wife, Katie Jo, moved into Kensington in Philadelphia and so have spent years there doing deep community ministry and he shared these stories, and there's more stories than I could share now, but one that, that I just found so compelling about their community is one of the things that they do is they, they buy from the city uh, or from other sources abandoned housing, houses, sometimes for a dollar, and then they fix them up alongside of future homeowners. I, I could tell you lots about it, but actually I think it'd be better if you just watched Shane tell you about it on this video. This is an exciting day. We are dedicating our newest home with Simple Homes. So we started Simple Homes a bunch of years ago because there's 30,000 abandoned houses in Philadelphia. More abandoned houses than there are folks in need of housing and on the streets. And so we've gotten houses 
all kinds of ways, through sheriff's auctions, through banks, through buying out absentee landlords. And this house we got for $1 and we fixed it up. So we put a whole bunch of resources into these houses and uh, we sell each of them for $35,000. So we sell them at a little bit of a loss, but we're creating dignified, beautiful, affordable housing for families that need it. So come on in. So this thing was total disrepair. No floors, no windows, no like plumbing or utilities, nothing. It was totally, it didn't even have any like floors so you could like fall in the basement. So now, with the help of friends and volunteers, we are dedicating this house and it is Beautiful. So the model that we use is that each family fixes up their own house so that it's theirs. And um, we, we kind of, our motto is, uh, we won't build a house for you, but we'll build a house together with you. So we team them up with folks. So um, the family here has been working with uh, all their relatives and friends and fixing up this house. And you've got to see it. It's beautiful. I don't want you to miss any of it. So... All of this work we did, and then we finance this and sell it for $35,000 with no interest on the mortgage. And we customize the monthly payment so that it fits the income of the family, makes it all possible. So in a few years, a family can own their own house. Total revamp of the bathroom. We had to move the walls around a little bit and get it to where it could fit uh, a family here. So this is it. And we've got like a bunch of more houses that we're ready to fix up and thousands more that are abandoned. So you can go to simplehomes.org and support this work. What joy. <laughs> you reflect on what this must be like to move into a place like that. What joy to provide such a gift and a partnership. What joy to be united in heart and soul. At the event that I, I was at where he was speaking, I, I spoke with m many people who were telling me about their own stories being motivated by Claiborne's work. His work towards Jesus. And towards meeting needs, I heard a lot of people say that they saw what he was doing and they, they wanted to be a part of it and they reshaped their lives around this work towards justice and generosity. At a time when, for many, Christianity is viewed often negatively, not because of Jesus, but because of how people who have claimed Christ have behaved, have done harm and wasted resources, what would it look like for us to be a community that gathered and used our resources to reflect the goodness of God, the hope of God, the mutual flourishing that is possible with God. And, and you already do this, BCWC, so beautifully with our food ministry, with our advocacy and our partnerships. But what a time this fall to slow down and recommit, to check in and reimagine, to remind ourselves of this story in Acts. 
all while we are bombarded with other stories that push us towards isolation and individualism and fear. Instead, we are invited to joy. To see what it sparks in the people of Acts. To see the great power and great grace among them in verse 33 of chapter 4. To see their generosity as a result of the change that's happened within them by the power of the Spirit and how it will spark even more transformation and change in their midst. Stewardship is both a response to the change God brings in our life when we encounter Christ and a catalyst for more Spirit-led change. Let's read chapter 4 of Acts, verses 34 and 35. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. This passage is describing what is happening in this community. And there's evidence in early Christianity of these people who shared their resources to meet needs. It was radical and it was subversive. It was a vision of what God's community could be. And we find it all the way back in the Hebrew Bible. In Deuteronomy, there's this vision that every seven years all debt would be forgiven. These deep levels of income inequality would be reset. And there is evidence that this command was never really fully realized. But now in this new community emerging by the power of the Spirit in the grace of Christ in, in Acts, we have this vision, and it's happening. In fact, Luke is borrowing language from that Deuteronomy vision. In Deuteronomy 15.4, it says this, There will, however, be no one in need among you, because the Lord is sure to bless you in the land that God, the Lord your God is giving you as a possession to occupy. No need among you. So Luke is making this controversial claim that the early Christian movement is embodying this vision for God's community by the power of the death and resurrection of Christ and forgiveness of God. New community is formed where needs are met and flourishing is possible. I want that kind of community. It doesn't say that no needs ever arose. They did, but when they did, they were met. The community did something about it. You do something about it with our communion offering or deacon's fund. It's one expression of this idea where we use community resources to help needs that arise among us. And this type of radical hospitality moves more and more to more transformation. We are formed by Christ when we respond with generosity. Now wait, Pastor, you may be saying, don't you have a house? (laughs) Don't you own things? What are you trying to say, that private property is bad? Well, no, the the early Christians still had things. This account doesn't imply that they sold all their stuff and just created one big joint bank account. We see that churches in the New Testament, they met in homes of people. People have trades and incomes. But what changes here is their relationship to their property. Their grip on their property. You know, like the kid who doesn't want to share that toy. See, there's a transformation that occurs when they meet Christ where 
They see what they have as a resource to meet needs and to be used for the sake of the kingdom of God. So some clearly saw that and sold property to bless others. Others offered up what they had in a variety of different ways, but they understood, united in heart and soul, that their resources could be and should be shared for this new reality breaking in around them. What a countercultural message for our world today. What would the world around us see if we looked like that? Ron Sider, the late professor and writer of the book Rich Christians in Age of Hunger, wrote, we need to make some dramatic, concrete moves to escape the materialism that seeps into our minds via diabolically clever and incessant advertising. We've been brainwashed to believe that bigger houses, more prosperous businesses, more sophisticated gadgets are the way to joy and fulfillment as a result. We're caught in absurd materialistic spiral. The more we make, the more we think we need in order to live decently and respectively. Somehow we break this, we have to break this cycle because it makes us sin against our needy brothers and sisters and therefore against our Lord and it destroys us. Sharing with others is the way to real joy. Luke's going to give us an example in Acts 4, 36. There was a Levite from Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Luke includes Barnabas here as an example of what it looks like for this one particular person to reflect on how he might be generous with what he has. Now, Barnabas will show up again and again in the book of Acts as a companion, a missionary. But our introduction here comes with this act of responsive generosity. I'm convinced that we meet him first with this act because it is then this act of generosity that sets him on this trajectory for more and more partnership with God. By letting go of his trust in his things, he is then more freed to trust in God. Barnabas remains this son of encouragement. How might we be people of encouragement in our world and community? A few weekends ago, there were some young women from our church who hung out in front of our church building uh, from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. on the Friday night of Halloween. I know. If you've ever been in Westchester uh, around these times of night, especially during a weekend like Halloween, you know how many people are out on the street right in front of our building. If you've ever come into church early on a Sunday after one of those weekends, you know how many people were out in front of our building, right? You see the evidence. But these women from our church decided to forgo some sleep be present, and be generous. They gave away a hundred pretzels. <laughs> and after they helped someone, a young woman who was in trouble get back to a room safely, a real act of love. As they were walking back to the church, they had people yelling out to them, Hey, pretzel ladies! 
What a joy to be known by our generosity. To be known by our love. We read this name, Son of Encouragement. On the same Sunday, we reflect on 10 years of ministry of our beloved Pastor Zach. And what a son of encouragement he has been for me, for you, the Wooten's children of encouragement. And yet, how too have you encouraged them? What a gift to generously share someone whom we love with Christ's world. What an investment you made in them. What an investment they make for the kingdom of God. What do we do with this text? <laughs> I hope you wrestle with it. I've been wrestling with it. So I think about my own relationship with things and dreams and our culture. This is an invitation to think about where we find value and dependence. It's an invitation to repent from our dependence on our own self-reliance and our own fear of scarcity. It is an invitation to imagine how we might be shaped by a generous God to be a generous community. It is an invitation to remember the why of stewardship. How we've been blessed with time and relationships, with material things, with this earth that we must steward. How will we care for all? How can we be sons and daughters of encouragement wherever we are with whatever we have pastor and sociologist and former BCWC retreat speaker, Tony Campolo, <laughs> who you have reminded me used to do retreats here, and I wish I could tell stories like Tony. He said, the question is not if you can be a doctor or a lawyer. The question is what kind of doctor or lawyer will you be? We have all kinds of resources. How will we be generous? We close our time this morning. I want to invite you to join with me on a prayer of meditation around these three questions. What have you been given? What needs are among us? And what would it look like if those needs turned into joy? How could you be part of that? Let us in silence prayerfully reflect King Jesus, as we go into this week and into our world, may you help us to be united in heart and soul by the power of your Spirit, and may we live in a way that points to your generosity, and may somehow, 
the community around us describe us as people who refuse to let there be need among us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or looking for ways to support God's work through our church, visit bcwc.org.